Going Linux, Episode 264, Computer America, Number 80. Welcome to the Going Linux Podcast. I'm your host, Larry Bushy. Whether you are new to Linux, upgrading from Windows to Linux, or just thinking about moving to Linux, this podcast will provide you with valuable information and advice that will help you in going Linux. We hope that you'll find this and all our episodes helpful in learning about Linux and its applications and using them to get things done. In today's episode, Computer America. You're listening to Computer America. Hello and welcome into the Computer America show. It's the nation's longest running nationally syndicated radio talk show on computers. Computer America is heard around the world and coast to coast. And I'm your host, Craig Crossman. And I'm your co-host, Ben. And it's it's uh, it's uh, <laughs> it's the technology uh, Thursday. The technology gods us begins is because uh, it's our all Linux show and our all our Linux correspondent just fell out of the way. <laughs> he was here, I swear, like five seconds ago. He was in the Google Hangouts, and now he's you disappeared. To close the door. They like to run out the door oh, without okay. you looking. They just bolt. oh, there he is. Okay, so he's back. So <laughs> we'll we'll figure out what's yeah. going on. Anyway, uh, it's our all Linux show here on uh, tonight in the Computer America program, and uh, and uh, and we're going to be talking about just before we get into Linux, we want to talk a little bit about the Sony uh, 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 happening. We'll get. Why don't we just bring our correspondents and they can kind of uh, join in on the conversation as well. Now, as I said, uh, it's our, the third Thursday of the month. That means it's time for Linux. Uh, the Linux operating system continues to be more and more popular. It's an important operating system, so every month we devote an entire Computer America show to the subject of Linux. And if you have a Linux question, tonight's tonight for you to give us a call. Uh, joining us is our Linux expert, Larry Bushy. Larry is the creator and host of the Going Linux podcast. Larry, welcome into Computer America. How are you? Uh, I am doing fine for as long as my internet connection stays up. So <laughs> if I drop out, you, uh, well, yeah, I, I will, I will rejoin uh, <laughs> as I've right. done twice already. Uh, yes, so uh, true. Yeah. Other than that, I'm doing fine. Okay. How are you? I'm doing fine. Now, also joining us tonight is Marcel Gagné. Now, Marcel is the author of several books, and I didn't clear any of these, so well, these are wrong, Marcel. We'll just have to correct it for the next time, but. Uh, you're the author of several books, including Moving to Linux, Kiss the Blue Screen of Death Goodbye, now in its second edition. Uh, other books include Moving to Ubuntu Linux, and his newest title is Moving to Free Software. He is also a Linux Journal uh, monthly columnist. His column is titled Cooking with Linux. Although, although I'm going to clarify by saying um, I don't do the cooking with Linux column for Linux Journal anymore. Okay, all right, but you did it for what, what, what ten years or something? Ten years. Ten, ten years. years. Wow. So in January, uh, that's this next month, Marcel will become our official Computer America Linux correspondent as this is Larry's last show with us. And, uh, and uh, you know, yeah, I know. But he's still going to be a friend of the show. And uh, so uh, he's going to uh, pass the uh, Linux. As much as Craig uses the term or the phrase, pass the baton, I'm surprised Craig did not sit down and make a physical baton. Well, I can make a I can make a virtual one and then he can hand it from one window to another. It's in the mail. Yes. So so, so please. I, I have a question. Am I the wait. only one? Am I the only one on the show who's going to drink? No, I hope not. Uh, <laughs> maybe before the show is over, I might join. So please welcome. You mean I've been on here for seven years and I could have been drinking? Yeah. Oh man. 
please welcome author and columnist and now Computer America correspondent Marcel Gagne to the show. Marcel, welcome into Computer America. How the heck are you? Oh, I'm I'm the heck fine. I'm doing, how the heck are you doing? Uh, I'm the heck fine too. <laughs> so, and I want to point out that Marcel was our former before Larry came on. It was uh, for for a while you were our Linux correspondent. And like then, for two and a half years or yeah, something. I was the original. That's right. And then uh, and then vanished. And we won't go into why, but you know, <laughs> but you know, you're back. I, I, I went. I went on a mud wrestling tour there of the you go. countries. That's it. That that would do <laughs> so it. So in in fact, I'm returning the baton. Yes, to you're returning the baton. Yes, exactly. So uh, let's get to it. Um, we're we're, we're going to talk about Linux, believe it or not. And uh, and as I said, uh, now what we do is uh, I always ask. Larry to pick a topic for uh, of the evening, so we'll sort of start with that, and then if uh, you call us or you have a question or a comment or suggestion, we'll pause what we're doing and certainly entertain your questions. So that said, uh, Larry, let's get started. Um, the topic for the month is applications for Linux they use every day, and they're not just for Linux. That's interesting. Right. Yeah. Yeah, so for the past few uh, shows, we've been talking about a lot of cross-platform software, and I thought I would collect a whole bunch of it together here today. We can talk about it, and there's a lot of this software that we're going to be talking about today that is not just for Linux. It it runs nicely on Linux, but it runs on Windows and OS X as well, and sometimes it even runs on Chrome OS, Android, and iOS, the other three Linux distributions, <laughs> if you want to uh, talk about uh, that. Not that iOS is a Linux distribution, but <clears throat> Chrome OS and Android are uh, distributions of Linux. Mm-hmm. You could stretch it a bit and say that they are, I suppose. Okay. And uh, so I've got a list of uh, over 20 that we can talk about, and I bet you use some of these as well. Yeah, exactly. The first one. <laughs> Chrome. That's the first a, one. Yeah, yeah that's the Chrome a, web browser. Yeah, that's uh, Ben's uh, um, browser choice. I still use Firefox. However, uh, Chrome doesn't. One of the things that I love about Chrome that I didn't know that it did, and I and I now use it, is that uh, and Firefox does not do this. If you have several tabs open and one of the websites that you happen to open, let's say at all at the same time, starts playing audio and you don't know which one it is, Chrome will actually have a little indicator in the tab, a little speaker, t- showing you that web page is playing audio, so you can go and kill that page. Um, typically in the news, I open up 15, 16 different web pages all at the same time in different tabs, and it was a, it was a disaster when one would start playing automatically. Um, I, I didn't know which one to kill, and I had to close the whole website out. So that's a nice feature of Chrome. And, uh, is and, that that little yeah. red circle that's at the top? Uh, the, no, which no, which little red circle? Oh, uh, that would be the uh, that's the indicator showing that Google Hangouts is live and not ah. <laughs> fancy. So in in the um, w- when you're playing audio on a Chrome tab, uh, at least on Chrome on Linux, uh, the indicator is on the right hand side next to the X, and it shows a little speaker icon. Yep. And so, uh, yeah, so Chrome is definitely my browser of choice. Uh, when I was using Windows, I would use Internet Explorer for one thing, to download another browser. Uh-huh. And I would always use another browser. <laughs> and uh, recently, I have um, 
it's it's been so long since I've used Windows as a regular operating system that Chrome wasn't around at the time. But nowadays, uh, most uh, operating systems come with some other browser installed other than Chrome. Of course, Chrome operating system comes with Chrome mm -hmm. pre-installed. Mm -hmm. uh, but Windows comes with Internet Explorer. OS 10 comes with Safari. Many of the Linux distributions come with Firefox or another browser. And I use each of those to download Chrome because that's my favorite browser. And the reason I like it so much is because I do have a, a Chromebook, and that Chromebook is uh, using the Chrome operating system. And one of the nice things about Chrome is that regardless of the operating system you're using it on, you have many, if not all, of the same extensions, all of the same. You can have it retain your passwords. You can do an awful lot of things with Chrome and inside of the Chrome browser, including running Chrome applications, mm -hmm. and they just work across whatever operating system you're using. Uh, for the for the most part, there are a few that don't, yeah. but most of them will work cross-platform. So uh, that's that's why I use Chrome. Okay. That's a, that's also actually one of the uh, cool things that when you use it on different operating systems, um, you know whether you've got a mobile tablet uh, where you know you've got an Android tablet where you're using the Chrome browser. Hell, I've even got Chrome uh, sitting on my uh, BlackBerry uh, Z10 over here, so that uh, you know I have all these things from one device to another, and uh, you don't have to worry about uh, whether your passwords are you know you, you don't have to worry about remembering your passwords. You don't have to worry about what bookmarks you've got in different places and so forth. It's almost like an ebook reader, you know, that remembers your place. Mm -hmm. You pick up an ebook reader, and then you pick up like you you pick up your Kobo tablet. Yeah. You read a book on one, you pick up a different tablet, and it just picks up where you left off. Well, it sort of works the same way with the Chrome browser. It's awesome yeah. that way. Well, Ben, yeah. Ben kind of turned me on to Chrome because uh, I, I mean, I was, uh, I was, I was, I still use Firefox, but the Chrome is really Correct. the thing Correct. is, I can't get my bookmarks, all my bookmarks as they are in Firefox, over to Chrome, and it doesn't display Correct. them in the same way. Correct. Yes, yes, Correct. yes, Ben. <laughs> Except. The Google overlords. No. <laughs> Let them know what you're doing. Yeah. They they do evil. Remember. Yeah. <laughs> that, that is their motto. But yeah, it, Craig. It, if Craig is any indication of the population at large, I mean, your issue with the Chrome browser, as it not being exactly like the Firefox, is I, I don't know. It, folks, don't I, be afraid to change, even if it's slightly different. I, like, I think the bookmarking system Chrome isn't that bad. I, I mean, I, I don't know what not, your holdup is. It's not bad, but I like my bookmarks to be in an order on the left-hand side so I can just click on them and go, and I can't get Chrome to do that. I can't get Opera to do that. I can't get, I can't I, get I any other browser Chrome, to do it. You, you, you can set folders so you can have, like, clusters of bookmarks. Like, uh, uh, what? Yeah. Doesn't work. <laughs> 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 you know, that's the kind of attitude that prevents people from adopting Linux. You know, <laughs> you know what, though? I mean, I find I find that I actually use I use multiple browsers. I'll sometimes have like three different types of browsers open. And the reason I do that is because let's say that I'm logged into Google Plus um, yeah. on my Chrome browser. Well, if I want to be logged into Google Plus under a different account, I can't do that on the same Chrome browser. So if I'm logged in with different with multiple IDs, if I mean if you do work, uh, you know, as a computer company for other customers and so forth, sometimes you have to be able to do that. So heck, I mean, I run, I will run Firefox and Conquer and uh, and Chrome, and I'll have multiple instances logged into the same sites under different IDs. 
I, I do it simply because I can't use one browser with multiple tabs logged into different IDs on the same site. So for that reason alone, it's worth having multiple browsers. Uh, let me share my screen. I'm going to share the Chrome. No, browser. don't do it. <laughs> I'm going to. Yeah, I know. I know. Let's see. Uh, Google. Computer America show notes. Let's show that one. Okay. okay. Now, we have the screen share ability, which is, which is what Larry is now doing. And now we're actually seeing. Oh, fancy. Yeah, fancy. So we can actually show you yeah. what's on Larry's screen. And Marcel, you need to. This, I don't know if you know how to do this, but there's something in here. Yeah, this is something no, you need to do. Yep. Okay. Cool. Now, when you want to do this, when Larry, in January, you want to show something on your screen, uh, you can do exactly what Larry is doing with the screen share. Okay. Yeah, but what if I don't want you to see what's on the screen? Well, then don't do it. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, Marcel, um, you can have multiple accounts logged in at the same time on multiple Chrome browsers. So if I click this little icon here, which you may or may not have, probably don't, uh, I have these three accounts. Uh, and if I click this, it'll open another window, which, of course, you won't be able to see because I'm just sharing the one window. But that window will be another Chrome browser with this account open. And the way you get to that is I think you can go to see here. It says signed in as goinglinux at gmail.com. I think if you go here to uh, <laughs> Someplace, maybe it's in oh, down here under people. Uh, you can log in as additional, you know, you can add additional accounts. So if you do fascinating. have multiple accounts, uh, they have to be, I think they have to be Gmail accounts. But if you have multiple Gmail accounts, I, I know because each of these is, you can then set this up and you can give it a little icon if you wish so that you can use that as a switcher between them. Now, what I have noticed is that. On Linux, this little icon appears on the left-hand side, and on OS 10, which I use for work, it appears on the right-hand side oh, how of the so Chrome browser. So, so confusing. I don't know why they did that. <laughs> they just did. They just did. Just to make it look a little different. Fascinating. Yes, it All is. right, I'll, I'll have to try that. Not right now, but I'll have to try it later. Exactly. Yeah. All right, exactly. Uh, and by the way, that's why we always suggest to our listeners that you can listen to the show, but if you uh, want, you can also watch the show because so some, many times we will demonstrate uh, things uh, on on the Google Hangouts. What was the other one that was really good? We had uh, we had a 3D printer oh, uh, for the yeah, home. Oh, yeah, 3D printer. Yeah, and we were actually demonstrating. Yeah, we're doing a live demonstration. So you could see the things that was printing out. It's just very very cool. It's just another aspect all, of things that we do. Although we do archive, so you know, in case you wanted the the premiere walkthrough by Larry Bushy, you know, it's saved on the uh, <laughs> video. Yeah, everything is video. Everything's archived at computeramerica.com. Exactly. <laughs> all right, so 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 things on the internet never go away. Yeah. So. <laughs> <laughs> so Chrome is one of them. Uh, then you have LastPass Pro. Yeah, LastPass. Um, <clears throat> I don't know whether it's Pro or Premiere or pr uh, Premium or something, but mm -hmm. the advanced version of LastPass. It's a password vault, a password keeper. And um, there is a premium version that you pay for, and it's some ridiculous amount of money, like $12 a year or something. Uh, and it's just absolutely... Phenomenal. Um, Marcel, you were just talking about the fact that with the Chrome browser, it will remember your passwords. Mm -hmm. Well, it does indeed. Uh, LastPass um, has a Google extension that allows you to have it 
put your passwords in wherever are, as does Firefox. So if you're like you and me and you use multiple browsers, I do use Firefox as well, uh, you can install LastPass there with the same account, not having to pay multiple times, and it will remember your password vault across browsers and across operating systems and across everything. So another nice cross-platform application. Now, neither of the two that we've talked about so far is open source. Chrome is not open source. It's based on the Chromium open source browser. But and, and you can, of course, that. run Chromium if you prefer. Yes. Uh, and LastPass is a proprietary application as well, but it's good. It's very, very good. My multivitamin, I think, has chromium in it. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> You're right. You may be right. Yeah, yeah. That's just an observe, observation. Go ahead. Uh, if you do want to use an open source password keeper, KeePassX is a good one, mm -hmm. uh, except it's not completely cross-platform. Uh, there is a KeePass for Windows. I don't know that KeePass X or uh, KeePass will work mm. on OS X or not. And certainly there's nothing for the Chrome operating system. You know, there, I've, are, there are some versions for mobile devices. I, I've, I've, for mobile devices, I tend to use NPass, which is uh, mm -hmm. which actually is cross-platform. Unfortunately, it doesn't run under Linux. <laughs> However, I find that passwords are sort of cross-platform. <laughs> sort of cross-platform, but as strange as it sounds, I, I tend to think I, I know it's terrible, but I tend to think of Android as Linux because it really is. It know? is. It I is. mean, it is the Linux kernel that is operating under Android, and in fact, when you look at it that way. And Linux is literally the single most popular and pervasive operating system on the entire planet. It yep. dwarfs Windows and, and Macintosh. And most people don't know that. Linux is absolutely everywhere. It is so everywhere, you don't even know that it's everywhere. It's in your house. All the people out there who might still be running Windows don't even know that they use Linux every day, every single day of their connected lives. So I don't feel bad about the idea that, you know, I've got my Android tablet here that happens to store my Linux passwords, you know, and so forth on it. So, you know, Android is Linux. So, you know, hold it up a little embrace bit. Embrace and extend, baby. Embrace and extend. <laughs> Let me see that password. Flip it around now. Okay. <laughs> This is my first glass of wine. I just want to point that out. <laughs> oh, well, the night is young. Uh, okay, so uh, so the next thing, of course, is Gmail. Yes, another proprietary cross-platform wonderful <laughs> invention on the part of Google. Uh, this is not the Google show, uh, no. but Gmail is something that I use. I, and I have used uh, email clients in the past. That's software that you install on your computer. But these days... With Google and uh, uh, I, I was going to say stability of the internet. I, I can say stability of the internet. It's just my internet connection that's not really good tonight. <laughs> uh, but the, with the stability of the internet these days, at least in North America, uh, having your email online all the time is a great way to go. And one of the nice things about Gmail is that it does have an offline mode. And so you can, especially within the Chrome browser, you can enable Gmail so that you can use it offline. That's very nice. You can create your messages. You can send your messages yep. or look 
to send them uh, and queue them up to be sent so that the next time you're online, they actually do get sent. All right. Listen, we're at the bottom of the hour. Boy, the time is flying by here. We're just getting started. You're listening to the Computer America Show on the Blog Talk Radio Network, on the Boost Radio Network, on the IRN Radio Network. It's our all-Linux show. Larry Bushy, our Computer America correspondent, and Marcel Gagné, our upcoming uh, Linux correspondent, are all here tonight. 347-884-8881. I'll get you on and get you through. We're going to break for some messages and news to bullet review. That's coming up as well. Stay tuned for more Computer America. And welcome back to the Computer America Show. It's uh, 33 minutes past the hour. All, it's our all-Linux show tonight. And uh, Larry Bushy, and not only that, but Marcel Gagné, who I hear I got trouble with the last name last time, uh, you know. Oh, you have to bring that up. I, I, I do, because it's hilarious um, to me every time. You know. Every, every time I think about it, I laugh. So, yeah. <laughs> Oh, so, I'm not going to say exactly what you said, but yeah. I was, was hoping he forgot that. Oh. That was years ago. How would he remember? I don't care. It was hilarious. <laughs> uh, so, yeah. Welcome back to the American Show. <laughs> and, uh, you know, we're going over the topics that, that Larry uh, brought us for tonight and, uh, you know, some, some of the applications. And you were just about to, uh, or you were just getting into uh, Gmail, which I think, you know, even though it was like a closed beta thing, I think pretty much everyone has it now. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's probably the the most popular, at least within North America, email out there. Uh, there are still people hanging on to Yahoo and uh, Roadrunner and uh, all kinds of other things. Um, I, I don't know whether there's anybody out there on uh, AOL, but I'm sure there is someone out there. Uh, and uh, <laughs> but but Gmail <laughs> Gmail I've is more L South emails lately. L South, yes, okay. Yeah. Yeah, uh, I I do miss the CDs though, the AOL CDs. <laughs> the coasters. The coasters. <laughs> exactly, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but uh, anyway, so that enough on Gmail. I think uh, uh, the online uh, email uh, and online in general uh, applications in the cloud are taking over, and I think that was topic for last mm-hmm. month's um, Computer America Linux uh, session was uh, the cloud and. You know, with uh, with those people that that have to use some sort of uh, Microsoft branded product because of work, even those guys are getting in the cloud with Office 365. Uh, but uh oh, <laughs> no, we've lost them. Oh no, out of butt. It's it, the it, North Koreans, I tell you. I think you know we made fun of the North Koreans, and now they're interceding. Uh, <laughs> well, I I know that Larry will return with us uh, briefly, but uh, now do you? You know, but yeah, but Larry is right. I mean, Larry is right. Uh, so much of what people do nowadays is inside a browser, anyhow. That's very true. You know, and I am guilty of still using things like. Uh, Outlook and what have you, because and then if I'm away from my computer or if I, and I need to check my email, well, unless I have a virtual, it's up and running on my computer and I can access it remotely, uh, I can't read my email. Um, all that's changed now with my iPhone, I can actually can, but but uh, but if you're if everything is on Gmail, I can go to any computer anywhere and and read my email. It doesn't matter. Just log in and and that's it. Oh, and there's Larry again. 
<laughs> oh, I am so glad I have the Google Hangouts link uh, <laughs> right there on my desktop for just such an occasion. Good. Keep keep there. <laughs> yes, yes, it's right, it's right there in my shortcuts. All right. so, so, now I've got two Larrys on my screen. Yeah, but the Larry, yeah. the old Larry, will drop off automatically in a few moments. Oh, okay. yeah. <laughs> That sounds so bad. I know. <laughs> so we're still talking. So we're talking about Gmail, and I was talking about the fact that you know I'm just coming up. I mean, I have Gmail, and I do use it, and uh, and it's great because no matter what computer or where I am, I can always access my email. And then you, so you continue on, uh, Larry. <laughs> yeah, for as long as I can. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> okay, so um, I think that's that's really all I wanted to say on Gmail okay. uh, is that it's. Uh, it's it's great and it's one of those applications that I use every day. Uh, I use it for work. My work provides a Gmail account, uh, a Gmail for business, I guess is what mm-hmm. they call it. Mm-hmm. And um, I use it personally, as you saw. I have uh, three three different uh, uh, Google accounts, each of which has a, a Gmail account, and um, uh, you can you can consolidate them all on a mobile device. Mm-hmm. I haven't figured out a way to consolidate them all without forwarding on a <laughs> on a computer browser. But uh, hey, have you tried using Inbox yet as a, to just uh, the Gmail client? No, like, that is something that I haven't tried. Does that accomplish what I was? It just does. Saying? It does, as a matter of fact. That's that's kind of what the idea behind that is. Would you like an invite? Sure. I, I would. Yeah. <laughs> Who else wants an invite? <laughs> I have a few invites. I can send a few out. What a guy. Forward your invite request to... uh... No, 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 no. no. (laughs) I just 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 meant to, you know, other people that are at the moment here. Okay. All right, Larry, I'll send you an invite. Uh, Thank you, sir. Okay, I'm going to have to spell my nickname differently on the chat room again to get back in there. But uh, Uh as we're waiting for that to happen... our next application, and we're we're going through these rather slowly, mainly because I keep getting disconnected. <laughs> so we may not get through this list. So let me do this. Let me run down the list mm-hmm. so that at least we've mentioned each of these once, and then we can go back and talk to them. Okay. Or talk about them uh, behind their backs. Um, com- uh, Google Calendar, Audacity, LibreOffice, Maker, Blue Griffin, GIMP, FileZilla. HPE Print, Synergy, there you go, iNet Ken, it is on the list, yeah. uh, VNC, Skype, Google Hangouts, Lightworks, VLC. Great player, I love that, yeah. Yes, absolutely. And then uh, things like text editors, I use whatever is default on the operating system I'm using, file and sharing, file sharing and synchronization, there are several of those applications that I use, collaboration, uh, screenshots, and screencasts and videos. So we can talk about each of those for, you know, we'll have links to each of those things in mm-hmm. the show notes, but we'll talk about as many of these as we and, can and, and before. If, and if we give it, go into the second hour, you know, I mean, we can read some of them emails. So if you want to, sure. you, you're, you're control of this. You're, you're the first one. You, you do what <laughs> we do best. We try to shoehorn all of these things <laughs> into the first hour. Okay. So continue. Yeah. Cool. yeah. Sorry. Go ahead. I'm curious as to Larry was talking about file synchronization things. I'm curious as to what cloud services Larry uses. Cloud services. Okay. So file synchronization um, that I use, uh, I use uh, Google Drive. I use Dropbox. And I use Box. 
Those are the those are the three that I use, all of which are proprietary. Um, and there are several available for Linux, and several of them can be cross-platform. But uh, all of these work cross-platform perfectly on Windows, Mac, Linux, Chrome, uh, and uh, various other things, and have applications for both iOS and Android. So, the for the record, though, yeah, yeah, for the record, Google Drive does have some issues when running under Linux. Mm-hmm. And this is where I want to do a shout out, if if I if I can, to a client called Insync, I N S Y N C, I believe it's called, which is that. actually yeah. it is fantastic. Uh, you pay for it once; it's like fifteen bucks or something like that. I use it on my Linux desktop, and uh, it's absolutely brilliant. I N S Y N C, fantastic product, well worth the fifteen bucks to to uh, be able to access your Google Drive and be able to synchronize your Google Drive seamlessly, automatically, magically on your Linux desktop. Highly recommended. I use Google Drive a lot, um, uh, pri- primarily because I'm one of the guys who got it back when you could get 25 gig for five bucks a year. Yeah. And, I, and I still pay the five bucks a year. They keep trying to talk me into upgrading my account, you know, <laughs> less storage for more money or something like that. But I just keep paying the five bucks a year. But it's fantastic. So InSync, highly recommended so that Google Drive is truly cross-platform on your Linux desktop. Well, if you if you purchase a um, Chromebook, you get like 50 or 100 gigabytes for two years. And yeah, wow. <laughs> then you don't even have to you know, worry about those that five bucks. Sure, make me buy yet another computer. <laughs> <laughs> just to save five five bucks a year. And you I should see the that. and you see the computer Larry just bought. What's the one that was? It's a it comes with Linux on it. It's from yeah, from System 76. It's the Galago Pro. Yeah, really nice. Yeah, very nice, very nice. So I'm sure the folks at System76 don't mind the plug. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> but uh, get, getting back through our list here, uh, Google Calendar goes along with all the other Google stuff we've been talking about here tonight. It's uh, it's uh, something that works in the cloud. It works uh, on mobile devices. It works on my company-issued iPhone and uh, on OS X. And it keeps me synchronized. <laughs> you know, it... it uh, uh, gives me reminders and everything that you would expect a calendar to do. It just works, and I get a lot, and it's one of those things that I use every day, as you can imagine. Audacity uh, for podcasting. This is the audio recording and editing software that is uh, it, it's worth every penny you pay for it. It's free. <laughs> And it works extremely well. It's worth it's worth more than the money you pay for it. So so much that if um, if you want to donate to the cause, you can certainly do that. It is a fantastic program. If you use it for recording, you should uh, donate to the to the project or provide them at least some feedback. Uh, I don't think there are very many people that are working on that project, but they have done a fantastic job. really know what they're doing in terms of sound processing or processing, as you would say. uh, Um, And as I used to say when I was in Canada, but uh, they they really do a fantastic job. And I couldn't, uh, well, I almost said I couldn't do the podcast without it. I could. There are other audio editing software programs out there, but none hold a candle to the simplicity, the ease of use, and the, the, the professional quality that's behind Audacity. 
Yeah, Audacity is a, is a superb product. I agree. Um, and uh, hey, you can get the Audacity book by my uh, my friend Carla Schrader. Mm-hmm. Well, there you go. You know, if you if you if you want to learn all the ins and outs of it, like you know, really get to be an Audacity master, check it out. All yep. right. Hey, listen, we call her who has a oh she just fell off the phone. <laughs> you know, I, I just was there. He was all queued up My and ready to go. The internet connection is infectious here. I don't know. <laughs> all right. Well, we'll, we'll be back. Well, while, yeah. we're, while we're waiting for the caller to come back, yeah. uh, since we're talking about book plugs, uh, my next uh, software pick is uh, LibreOffice, and I think one of us on on this Google Hangout may have authored a book uh, about LibreOffice. Is that right? I've covered well. If you're talking about me, I've actually covered LibreOffice in uh, one, two, three, four books at least. I have to admit, in the first book, I actually talked about StarOffice, opposed to oh. LibreOffice. And and if you want, you can go on to uh, Kobo or Amazon and uh, just look up Marcel Gagne. And I have a free ebook that you can download, which is an introduction to LibreOffice Writer. When I have some time to kill. Uh, maybe you know over the Christmas holidays <laughs> or something like that. I plan on doing uh, an ebook, uh, an introductory ebook of the um, of the uh, Calc and Impress, uh, as well as the base products as well mm-hmm. for Google Office. But like I said, if you want, you can go and download free of charge the uh, the. Well, um, oh, it's actually available on my website as well. So yes, you know, okay. You and and, and by the and and by the way now um, LibreOffice was uh, came out right after uh, after OpenOffice right or it replaces OpenOffice is that, that's correct yeah okay so. yes and we should probably for our new listeners and viewers describe what LibreOffice is it's an office suite it has a word processor it has a spreadsheet it has a presentation application it has mathematics application mm-hmm. has the database application and many many other things drawing and uh, plugins and all kinds of things it is a professional uh, office suite for doing office type work and it works phenomenally it's capable of opening and saving to that other uh, office format that Oh, go ahead. You can say it. Microsoft Office. (laughs) (laughs) And um, yeah, so it's a very versatile office suite and it works very well. And I use it every day. I usually writer and impress. I do a lot of uh, presentations. And uh, as a result, I'm uh, always an impress. And uh, once in a while, I uh, create... uh, manuals for documentation for applications. Um, uh, most recently, I, I have uh, created a, uh, uh, a user's guide for the Sonar GNU Linux project, yep. and it's available on their website. Uh, and I used uh, uh, LibreOffice Writer to create that and okay. export it into PDF format and make it available on their site. And uh, our call is back. He's in, he's, in, he's in Costa Rica, uh, Computer America, Craig Crossman. Hey, Charles. Craig Crossman, what's going on, guys? <laughs> Charles Tindell on vacation in Costa Rica. In Costa Rica, he is. Uh, how you doing, buddy? I'm doing well. I'm traveling, so I'm going to apologize for my connection and, and any type of poor call quality that I have. But I wanted to get on, and, and I wanted to harass Ben and you and everybody else. and say, I miss you guys and wanted to see how the show was going, how how life was. Um, after Charles. 
kind of thing. <laughs> that's that's AC after Charles. It's exactly uh, or alternating or alternating current depending upon how you want it. Exactly. So uh, yeah, are we going to see you out at, uh, at the Consumer Electronics Show CES uh, in January? Because I know we're going to be broadcasting live actually, from there. When when is it actually? <laughs> it's, uh, uh, I think it's at, uh, January the sixth uh, is Tuesday, I believe, is when when we're going to be on the air. The sixth. Yes. The 6th? I don't. I don't think so. I can't say one hundred percent no, but I'm pretty sure I'm not. I get back. I don't get back to the world till till the first week of January, and I know I've got some interviews in Denver on the fifth, uh, so I won't have time to get out there. However. If there by some off chance I can make it out there, I will show up and I will I will I will right. I will surprise everyone. All uh, right, wonderful. All right, well, listen, thanks so much for checking in and uh, in Costa Rica. What time is it now where you are? Um, it is currently nine forty nine where I am. It's basically the same time zone that I left. <laughs> okay. It's Colorado. Okay, well, we'll say hello to Marcel Gagné. He's going to be our new Linux ex, uh, expert correspondent uh, starting in January. And uh, and I don't know. Hi, if Marcel. You... <laughs> Hola, buenos dias or buenas noches. Uh, and, and, buenas uh, noches. <laughs> yeah. uh, Charles is, was uh, uh, one of our former co-hosts. He's a certified ethical hacker and uh, and uh, and appears here as you see from time to time on the show. And uh, just can't keep away from Computer America. What can I say? I actually know what that is. Yeah. He knows what you do, too, Charles. All right, my Good. friend. Everybody well, should know what Charles does. Yes, everybody should. Yeah. yeah. Well, you should stop in more often and say hi, you know. And uh, we're, we're having a bunch of I might, all I might do that. Okay. Well, we, we, we absolutely do it. Okay. All right, Charles. Well, listen, thanks so much for calling in. And uh, and we'll, we'll hopefully we'll see you out at CES, okay? It's possible. I am watching you, so remember. <laughs> I remember that. All right. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye, Bye guys. Bye. Bye. All right. All right. There he goes, Charles Sendell. And uh, and so you do know what a certified ethical hacker is. That's good, um, Marcel. Good. Yeah. Well, actually, one of my one of my uh, one of my very good friends up here in uh, Ontario, who doesn't live uh, all lives about an hour away from me here, uh, who I work with on a fairly regular basis, is actually a certified ethical hacker. So there you go. All right. Well, maybe. Who knows him? Who knows? It's a small community. Uh, anyway, we're talking. We're doing. Believe it or not, it's our all Linux show, and uh, we still have lots to cover. Uh, I know, uh, Larry, you just finished. Uh, we were talking about LibreOffice, which was the last uh, one, uh, and uh, you use Writer and Impress. Um, and so the next, I think, you're going to move on to the next one, which is Maker. Sure. Yeah, sure. Maker is a uh, web authoring tool, a website authoring tool, and it's the one that I use for the Going Linux podcast website and uh, which of course is at goinglinux.com got to get the plug in and uh, maker is a little more than your average html text editor it is a uh, a full authoring site that allows you to separate the um, the the graphical parts from the text parts and allows you to uh use it much like a cms not like the drupal uh site that uh um, that Marcel might use for some of his websites, but uh, it's certainly a, a nice um, CMS sort of uh, authoring uh, software. And the next one on the list is Blue Griffin, and this is a simple HTML 
text editor. Uh, it's got a little preview uh, link to open your browser so you can see the uh, the uh, the um, uh, the results of your <clears throat> HTML editing and your typing uh, so that you can uh, pre preview it right there within the Blue Griffin uh, uh, application itself. So the, the reason I use it when I've got such a powerful tool as the Maker uh, is when I need something just very simple as HTML, I uh, crack open Blue Griffin and uh, put it in there because it's, it's uh, simply just that. It's a nice HTML text editor that is compatible with HTML5 and CSS and all of the other things that you need when you're doing uh, text editing, but it's just not got the sophistication that Maker has. So that's why I've chosen not to use it for my day-to-day -day work on the website. Okay, and then uh, uh, continue down the list. Uh, let's go. Was it GIMP? GIMP is uh, uh, graphics manipulation. Very nice. Oh, did we? Did we, did we lose Larry again? We lost Larry again. He's having some internet problems. I'm not sure what's going on. All right, I'm gonna jump. I'm gonna jump in. With I, the, I think he had something different in mind when you said you're gonna start phasing Larry out. Every <laughs> ten minutes. I'm pretty sure that wasn't the idea, but hey, I'll jump in and I'll jump in and help out with a GIMP. Sure. GIMP, the GNU Image Manipulation Program, is actually what it stands for. Uh, GIMP is, if you want to think of it as a uh, as a uh, replacement for Adobe Photoshop, is actually a superb image manipulation program uh, for for creating graphics. It's not a vector graphics tool, but it does. Uh, but it, you know, it'll do like RGB graphics and JPEGs and GIFs and. Uh, uh, you know, and, and so forth. It's um, it's it's a great program for touching up images, for uh, for creating graphics of various types, for uh, making uh, funky logos, for applying special effects to uh, to photographs, and so forth. Um, it's it's one of those things that I've had in my toolkit basically for uh, oh god for years now, and uh, it's a fantastic program that you can actually get the GIMP uh, as well for Microsoft Windows. Um, and uh, and obviously for Linux. Well, I don't actually know if it's cross-platform enough to go on Mac OS. I have to admit, Mac OS is not really one of the, is not really much on my radar these yeah. days. Yeah. Larry, be back. Yes, I am back. And uh... yeah, I'm so <laughs> glad. I'm so, I'm so glad that we have uh, Marcel here. You see, because when you yeah, fall, I know he picks as, it up. As my internet <laughs> connection is falling apart. We. <laughs> so to answer your question about the cross-platform. Oh wow, it is falling bad. <laughs> I think we lost them. Yeah. Uh, no, no, this is terrible. This is awful. It is. I mean, he's having some because yeah. so you can see Hankins is working fine for us. It must be something local on his end that he's having some difficulty with. Uh, mm -hmm. Well, uh, let's. Go. He's he talked about GIMP and the graphics manipulation. Uh, it's sort of like it's sort of like uh, uh, Photoshop, but for Linux, right? Uh, yes, that's, exa that's exactly what it is. It's like Photoshop for Linux. In fact, it does you know many of the same things that it would for Linux. Um, it is, like I said, it's a superb program. It's worth the download. Um, and, and of course, you know, like a lot of these things that runs under Linux, it actually is a free program. So, so it is well, well worth it to check it out. Um, if you're going to do, uh, you know, if you're going to do vector graphics, uh, there are other programs that do a little bit better. And in fact. The one that I would go looking for if you're going to do vector graphics is something called Inkscape, I-N-K-S-C-A-P-E. And again, these are like professional quality, you know, editing, you know, and image manipulation tools. Um, 
there, there's, you know, he, he makes the joke about, you know, uh, it's worth every penny that you pay for it. <laughs> Hell, it would be worth paying for these things yeah. if you actually needed to pay for them. But as it turns out, they're free. You can just download them and use them on your computer and, um, you know, and not have to pay anyone for anything. It's fantastic. Right, exactly. Uh, so I'm thinking that I have a bandwidth issue, so I'm going to leave the, the uh, yeah, camera off. Yeah, uh, that was going to be my next suggestion to you. Yeah, leave the camera <laughs> off. We'll see. We'll yeah. just see Tux there. Okay, go ahead. So continue. We finished. Marcel uh, nicely rounded out the the GIMP and tell, telling us about that. And it's like Photoshop for you know uh, right. on, on Linux. So now to mention Inkscape uh, for vector graphics. Ah. Yeah, Inkscape is is uh, another one. I don't use it every day, so it's not on the list, but it is something that I have used. And it is, if you're doing good vector graphics, if you're a professional artist and you use one of those tablets with the pen and uh, you're you're drawing on your computer screen, not literally, <laughs> but maybe even literally with touch screens these days, uh, that uh, th that's an excellent program for using for that. Continue on. Uh, uh, FileZilla. FileZilla. FileZilla is simply a program that I use to get files from my computer to my website. Mm -hmm. uh, and although um, the uh, Maker program does that for the uh, web pages themselves, uh, there are some times when I want to upload a file that is not uh, on a web page, and I use FileZilla to do that. I use it for uh, uploading by FTP protocol. Uh, to uh, other servers as well, and it is uh, it's a nice little program for doing that, and it's available cross platform as well. Mm -hmm. Very cool. HPE Print, uh, it's printing in the cloud. Yeah. <laughs> HP, uh, much like uh, Apple, has a, a cloud-based printing application that allows you to connect to its printers wirelessly from mobile devices as well as from your computer and it it, it works almost flawlessly uh, I can say the same thing for Apple's product it works almost flawlessly uh, every once in a while something <laughs> hey, goes haywire as it is want to do with software of any kind but for the most part the ePrint software from from HP is is very good and I like their technology I have uh, Wi-Fi enabled printer from HP, and it I, I I use it across all of my computers, including my uh, Chromebook. Now, um, so it, it works nicely there as well. Have you had any experience with uh, other companies? I know HP is wonderful. I have an HP printer here too, but I also have the Epson <laughs> printers too. I have the HP uh, eight twenty XP, uh, a small in one, and uh, um, and I use their ePrint product, and it works really really well. Oh, my goodness, we're at the top of the hour. Okay, listen, we're going to break for a few moments, and then uh, hopefully Larry will still be, still be connected. <laughs> and, uh, Cross my fingers. This, I miss seeing his face. Though, you know? uh, uh, yeah, well, you're looking at Penguin. Uh, this is the Computer America Show on the Blog Talk Radio Network, on the Boost Radio Network, on the IRN Radio Network. We're going to be right back in just a moment. This is Computer America. Broadcasting live, it's the only national radio talk show on computers to air every weeknight, Computer America, hosted by national columnist Craig Crossman. The first hour's behind us, but there's still more of tech news, tech talk, and your phone calls. We're being beamed nationwide at ComputerAmerica.com. You got computer problems? Bring them on. You're listening to Computer America. Computers run the world, and we run computers. Call us or
or send us an email to live at computeramerica.com. Hello and welcome into Hour 2 of the nation's longest-running nationally syndicated radio talk show on computers. This is the Computer America Show, and I'm your host, Craig Crossman. And I'm your co-host, Ben, who watches the music. <laughs> He's on the ball tonight. Yeah, exactly. And and, and he and he can't blame his internet connection for that one. Uh, you know, no. it, it was definitely a processor problem. Uh-huh, yeah, sure, sure it was. Sure it was. Uh, and uh, um, uh, Larry Bushy, our, our Linux correspondent, continues on with us, uh, if not least in uh, picture, at least in voice we can we can hear him, as uh, not mm-hmm. only to see him. And, of course, uh, Marcel Gagné is going to be our new uh, Linux correspondent starting in January, but he is here with us tonight just to get uh, get things moving. And, and we're, sort of, <laughs> we're sort of glad that he was here because we had no idea that Larry was going to have so many uh, Internet problems tonight. So Marcel's kind of covering uh, for Larry when when he's not on the air with us. And we appreciate that. <laughs> Absolutely. So, so I'll tell you what, we we have a few. We're going to go into emails, but why don't we finish the list up? We're almost there. Sure. And let's, we finished HPE print. Let's talk about Synergy. Let's finish these up. Right. Okay. Well, Synergy we've talked about in the past. Uh, it's my favorite software application of all time. It allows me to use my keyboard and mouse across multiple computers without a switch. It uses Internet Protocol to connect multiple computers on the same network. That's the key thing. They have to be on the same network to a single keyboard and mouse connected to one of the computers and allows you to drag and drop uh, your mouse from one computer screen to the, to the other, uh, even across operating systems. It works on Windows, Mac, and Linux, and it works. Uh, beautifully. It even allows you to take things from the clipboard on my Linux laptop and copy it and paste it over onto my OS X laptop and vice versa. And same thing with Windows. And uh, I, I like it a lot. It's it's an excellent program. Oh, Have you used that, uh, uh, Marcel? I have not actually. I'm, I'm googling it right now because I've never actually. Yeah, used it. there's a link in the show notes, right, right underneath where uh, the list is, and uh, it'll take you right there. Uh, it is available. It, it used to be available for free. I think they require you to purchase it now, and I've uh, uh, forked over my money for it after using it for free for a long time. But uh, I, I have to admit that I donated to them even before, even before it was uh, chargeable. So synergy-project.org. I'm actually on the yes. site right now taking a look at it. So excellent. Yeah, and there are a lot of companies out there use the word synergy in their name. So searching for synergy alone <laughs> just doesn't cut it. <laughs> synergy-project people. There yeah. you go. Hey, and by the way, uh, Larry, I understand. Uh, Larry, I mean um, Marcel. I'm getting confused. Marcel, I understand you have a, you have a you have a Christmas message for us that you want to. Share. I have a Christmas message, okay? And yeah. I, believe it or not, it's a Linux Christmas message. Yeah. In the past, I've said things like, "Hey, a great Christmas gift is to burn a Linux CD and put it in your people's, you know, in your friends and family stockings." But believe it or not, this actually doesn't have anything to do with that. Um, I have a um, I have a couple of friends who are actually involved in the business of. Um, of collecting used and uh, used computer systems, old computer systems for recycling mm-hmm. and basically repurposing for families that that cannot afford them and so forth. Uh, we have an organization like that here in uh, in Kitchener, uh, the Working Center, the uh, Computer Recycling Center. 
Um, I also have a friend named Ken Starks, uh, who lives in Texas, who runs an organization called Reglue. And uh, Reglue is, uh, provides computers to financially disadvantaged families and their children in central Texas. Uh, their philosophy is that you build the future by giving these kids the tools and technology that will help them basically shape the next world, that they provide uh, not only the computers, which they rebuild and install Linux on and provide a whole bunch of cool tools and so forth. Hmm. Um, they provide training and they even deliver the computers to the homes that need them. Nice. Um, since 2005, they've already rebuilt and delivered about 1,100 computers. Now, I'm pointing out Reglue, which is at reglue.org for you know uh, the people that might be in the Texas area. And, um, I mean, they always need equipment. Uh, they need CRT monitors, uh, USB wireless adapters, you know, things like that. But what I'm trying to highlight there is, you know, if you're looking for something special to do for, you know, uh, those people out there that might not have the resources that you've got, that might not have access to the same kind of technology that you've got and so forth, consider taking that old technology that you've got at home, you know, some of those old computers. Look up your local recycling center uh, like we've got here at, uh, at the working center or, you know, like an organization like sure. reglue.org and contact them and, uh, you know, and, and give them that equipment and let them, you know, repurpose it. Like I said, often what they do is they install Linux, they install something like Ubuntu on it. Uh, they train, they give these people all the tools that they need to, uh, you know, basically make their lives better wow. and they don't charge them for these things. So like I said, it's, it's, it's one of those things that you can do for other people with things that frankly, you're just not even using anymore. Wow. Cause I mean, we've got old technology that's lying all over the place that basically just piles up and this is a great way to take advantage of that stuff and, uh, and help somebody out. So yeah, there you go. I, I just put a uh, link to reglue in the show notes for those who are interested in um, uh, participating there. And I have one more to add to your list, uh, uh, Marcel, and that is the Sonar Project. Sonar um, has something that they call uh, Computers for Sonar, which is something very similar. Sonar is a GNU Linux distribution that's designed for uh, folks who have disabilities. So they have they had an eye tracking software pre-installed. They have screen reader software pre-installed. And one of the things that they do as part of their organization is they um, uh, offer to connect people who have computers to, with people who need computers. So they don't actually load the software on themselves. They expect you to do that. If you have an old computer, install Sonar on it and they will get you in touch with or other people in touch with you that need a computer with um, uh, uh, this kind of software enabled on it, accessible software enabled by default. Uh, so they will find cool. uh, both uh, donors and recipients and uh, act as the broker in between. So uh, we'll put a link in the show notes to that as well. Exactly. Well, hey, well, good. Which distribution of Linux does altruism come from? Because it seems rampant in your community. It's well, scary. I, I, I would say all of them. <laughs> I would say that too as well. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's the that's the philosophy of, of open source and free software is uh, it's rampant because it is pervasive throughout the entire community that the the operating system itself is developed by people who give of their time 
to develop the software that they love to use. And uh, for the most part, uh, well, I don't know for the most part. There are plenty of corporations that pay people to work on Linux, but they're paying those people to work on Linux because they themselves use Linux in their organizations. But there are plenty of people who donate their time, donate uh, their uh, programming skills or their documentation skills or uh, many other talents that they may have to these open source um, and free software uh, endeavors and so it's just it's just a way of life in the open source community and it does I mean to be perfectly honest it does make the world a better place and it advances technology at a rate that it might not be able to otherwise I mean if you were to sit there and design a word processing program from scratch this is an example I've used you know many times um, it would take you years and it would take you millions of dollars and so forth but if you were to take a million people, you know, who are willing to spend $10 of their time to, you know, and I'm, I'm you know, I'm, I'm overgeneralizing here, obviously, but who were willing to spend $10 of their time to put into a project like that, you could generate something amazing, something incredible, um, you know, that is open source, that is shared knowledge, that is shared information. Mm. And if you think about it, I mean, night I said that Linux was the most pervasive operating system on the planet. It is. There isn't a single person listening to this broadcast right now that's, that's working with us that is not using Linux. If you've logged on and used Google to do a search somewhere, you're using Linux. If you are if you are using the postal service to send a packet, we're using Linux. Yep. If you are using Amazon.com to purchase something, you are using Linux. If you've got a television, a smart television with a set-top box, you're using Linux. If you've gone to the theater and watched a blockbuster, like we were talking about movies at the beginning or something like that, Guardians of the Galaxy, the the powerhouse Linux, the powerhouse supercomputers that do those special effects are all running Linux. Linux is everywhere. And it's the work of not just companies and people who threw money into it, but a lot of people who do it because they have a passion for it, because they believe that sharing their knowledge and sharing information and sharing what they know with other people can help make the world a better place and get us to where we're going faster. There you go. That's it. Well said. Thank you. <laughs> Merry Christmas. <laughs> there we go. There you go. All right. So um, we're going to uh, – um, um, you still in your first glass, Marcel? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I've been sitting here the whole time, so I am nervous. <laughs> All right, so let's see if we, we can let's see if we can finish it up. I know. So we finished Synergy okay. VNC. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. VNC is a program that uh, uh, allows you to connect from one computer to another and allows you to control another computer, possibly, or just to see what's going on on the screen. Mm -hmm. There are plenty of technologies out there for doing that. Uh, VNC is. One of the oldest, I think, that's out there to do that, and uh, I still use it um, on the Linux machines that I have. I use a program called Remina, 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 that uh, allows me to use VNC as a protocol for connecting from one computer to another across my network. And, uh, you know, it's, it's such a long stretch from one side of my office to the other that I have to use this. There you go. <laughs> All right. uh, Skype, uh, another proprietary program from the computer company that's up in Redmond, or at least the software company that uh, shall remain nameless. Of course, we're talking about Microsoft. 
Um, those folks uh, <laughs> run Skype these days, and it's uh, an excellent uh, program for doing audio and video and text messaging, uh, if you so choose. Google Hangouts, we're using it right now. Well, intermittently <laughs> it allows us to do screencasts i use uh, google hangouts uh, for this show as well as other communication mm -hmm. and uh, lightworks it's a video editing program cross-platform proprietary very professional uh, it's head and shoulders above any of the other um, video editing software programs out there for linux uh, but it also works cross-platform. It works on uh, OS X and mm -hmm. Windows as well. I like it a lot. Uh, it's the first video editing program that I have felt that I could stick with. So okay. um, that's saying a lot. Uh, VLC, we talked about that as well. It's a, it's an audio player that play and a video player that plays everything. Yeah, I use uh, I use it when when I when I have a file and I cannot play it, and anything I have, I just call a VLC and it plays it. Yeah, yep, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. it's, yeah. it's the Swiss Army knife of yeah, it is. Uh, great one. multimedia. Yes, there you is. go. Yeah. Uh, okay, and those are the uh, named uh, things that I have links to in the show notes. Okay. The rest of these I really don't have show notes links for. As I said earlier, a text editor, I use whatever is default on the operating system that it comes on. Uh, we talked about file sharing and sync, Google Drive, Dropbox, Box, and uh, many others. All right. Uh, collaboration software. Uh, I use Skype chat uh, as a chat program. I use uh, Hex chat, of course, when we're in the Computer America chat room. Uh, I also use uh, Google chat uh, and I use Salesforce chatter. Um, full disclosure, I work for Salesforce, but I use it uh, to communicate both internally to the company and to our customers. You have and a real job? I, yeah. I do. I do indeed. Yes. Yes. Uh. Uh, Computer America doesn't pay me enough to uh, live on, so uh, uh, not casting any aspersions, Craig. No, um, I understand. <laughs> okay, I want to I want to throw I want to throw out my own uh, couple of choices for cross-platform chat clients. Okay, mm -hmm. and by chat clients, I'm talking like you know pretty much every protocol you can think of out there. One of them is is Pigeon. P-I-D-G-I-N. Ah. It is cross-platform. You can get it in Mac and Linux and Windows and so forth. Um, it's pretty cool. It's pretty nice. There's one I like even better than that called Jitsi, J-I-T-S-I. It's actually a great little client, and again, it works on a, a variety of, open, of operating systems. It, it uses Java. Uh, it's a Java-based client, but no, it's actually a Java. Uh, I know, I, I know, but it Java. works. It's, it's, uh, really, it's a great uh, little island client. Uh, works on just about everything. Hey, at least I didn't say we ran Flash. Okay, okay. <laughs> that's true. You, you know, we, I was using Java for our chat room for so many years, and finally it just kept hanging. I and we finally went over to IRC uh, because it just couldn't take it anymore. It, just, it would just hang my browser. In a modern operating system, it would bring a modern operating system down to its knees. Uh, I just, you know, I, I, I've had it with Java. So You know, what, what's, what's amazing with Java, though, is that it, it works best when, when it's self-contained inside the package that it's being distributed with. In other words, Java is not this thing that runs in the background that runs once, runs everywhere, as it was mm -hmm. once promised. Mm -hmm. You bundle it up with the application so that mm -hmm. it does work perfectly. Well, and under those circumstances, it's actually surprisingly good. Okay. Well, yeah, I'll take you for it because my experience with it has, has, has been – I mean, with H, you know, first of all, with HTML5, 
you don't really need it does everything that Java and Flash does anyway, you know. So with HTML5. Well, that's well, it 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 will eventually do yeah. everything. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, once everybody else gets around to using it. So yeah. yes, I can sort of agree with that. Okay. All right. Yeah. All right. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> okay. And uh do you have any more to uh add to the list? Mark? You know, I you know, I, I actually listened to your last show, which was the one. You know, the operating system doesn't matter anymore. Yeah. And of course, the, and and I, and I thought that was like, I thought that was great. Actually, the operating system doesn't matter anymore, so use Linux. <laughs> and um, and and of course, no, but it's true. I mean, we we're, we're we're living in an internet world. Everything is connected. Every everything is online. You know, we live our lives in the cloud. Most people don't even know that that's what we're doing. We take pictures. They automatically get uploaded to Dropbox or whatever your particular file sharing, you know, your particular uh, file storage service happens to be and so forth. So there's no reason for not running a free open source operating system. Absolutely none whatsoever, particularly when the benefits are so great compared to all the other crap that's out there. And, uh, and of course, something, I don't know if you've, you know, if you've been paying a lot of attention that way, but the, the, non-mobile uh, device market this year, and I'm talking specifically what we think of in terms of notebooks and so forth, mm-hmm. the big thing this year that has, ba- it has eclipsed everything else is Chromebooks. Okay? Yes. Chromebooks are, are the thing that nobody saw coming. You know, it's the success story that, that nobody thought would ever happen. And yet Chromebooks are running Linux. We think about this with Android. It's like, you know, Android, it's like it's such a great little name. Android, it's got that cute little green guy, you know, who bites down on things and eats ice cream sandwiches and chocolate eclairs and crap like that. You know, but that's Linux. I mean, Linux is running on those things. Your Chromebooks are running Linux and so forth. So, you know what? I mean, even Microsoft has figured it out. You were talking about the idea of Office 365 running in the cloud. That's because even Microsoft has figured out that the future is not that desktop operating system. The future is what connects you to the internet. And you know what connects you to the internet better than anything else? The thing that runs the internet, and that's Linux. There you go. Yes. Okay, we had Microsoft on the show t- two days ago. Uh, oh, Microsoft. sorry. <laughs> no, it's okay. Guys. I love them. No, yeah, I know, but that's no, okay. <laughs> I do. Okay. And they love Linux, apparently. Uh, evidently, that's the case. Uh, all right, so uh, I think then we're, we're finished with our show notes. Uh, the first one, the the, uh, the ones that, yeah, and we're going to move to our, yeah. our emails uh, portion of the show, and we have time. And uh, again, you can go to our our show notes page at computeramerica.com, and you'll just see the link there on today's show, uh, December the 18th. Uh, and you'll see email. Just click that. It'll open up the Google Docs document that we're going to be discussing now. And this first email, uh, again, is from Michael, who is a blind user in the United Kingdom, and he has a question about backups. He does indeed. Uh, he writes, hi, my barman, who has helped me get set up, had to do a fresh install of Ubuntu for me as as uh, either I got the keystrokes at boot up wrong or I couldn't boot into Linux on the DVD because I kept getting the timing wrong when pressing the key sequence. When I do a system backup, would using Ubuntu's default menus under settings be sufficient to back up to a DVD, USB stick, etc.? The options for backing up under settings appear to be accessible using Orca, uh, which is a screen reader, of course. Uh, I know you can back up uh, using tar from the terminal, but it's quite involved to be able to remember the format of that command. And 
so Michael, the answer to the question is yes. The backup program that comes with Ubuntu, the one that comes with Linux Mint, and uh, the, the backup that's provided on most Linux distribution will work just fine uh, to back up to a USB stick, to a USB drive, to even a DVD if you have a DVD recorder in your machine. And the backups it makes, uh, depending on the settings and depending on which software it actually is using to do the backups, may be simply copying the files uh, or it may actually be doing a uh, compressed uh, single file um, backup of your, or even a multiple file compressed file backup of your computer's um, uh, folders and files, or maybe even performing an image backup in some cases. But generally speaking, for general backup purposes, the backup programs that are available under the system settings in Ubuntu or uh, just the backup program, however it's named, uh, in your Linux distribution will do your backups just fine. Okay. Well, good. All right. And especially, you know, for, for those people who are blind and use the Orca screen reader, uh, if you have a distribution like Sonar or uh, Vinix or those that are specifically designed for the screen reader, the backup programs provided will be accessible to the screen reader. Uh, there's no guarantee on some of the other distributions that are out there. Uh, although if if it's the same backup program that's used in Sonar or Vinix, it's going to be just as accessible on another uh, Linux distribution. Okay. Now, uh, Charles Tindell, of course, is, is in the uh, chat room, and uh, I want him to hear this uh, next email from Jonathan, uh, uh, and I know he's listening. So uh, why don't you read this one? Uh, next, uh, Larry. Okay, I will do that. Uh, so Jonathan actually asked about Charles. Uh, he said, Larry, I noticed that Charles Tindell has not been the co-host on Computer America show for several episodes. Do you happen to know if he's coming back? Ben, I saw this big smile coming on Ben's face. <laughs> oh, that hurts. I enjoy your podcast and will miss you on Computer America. You've done a fantastic job so far. Jonathan. Well, um, I, Charles is not still on the phone, so uh, I, I, I'll let uh, Craig talk about whether or not, uh, or maybe Ben talk about whether or not Charles is coming back. Wasn't planning on it. <laughs> <laughs> I think it ain't love you know, when I went away, so maybe, we don't know. What do we know? Yeah, I'm sure he'll be back as a special guest. Yes, he is. And and matter of fact, uh, Charles actually mentioned uh, that he may be doing a 60-second uh, uh, thing on security for us on a, on a regular basis, sort of like what uh, oh, nice. uh, what uh, uh, Marty uh, Winston does for us in the News Tips Bulletin Review. So we actually do something like that, too. So uh, Charles is going to always remain a part of the show. Uh, so that's because uh, he does a terrific job, really does. Yeah, yeah. So tell Jonathan that uh, that uh, Charles still has uh, his his spirit still wanders around the the hallway, the virtual hallways of Computer America. You, you make him sound like a ghost. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness. Okay. Okay. That would hurt. <laughs> Ones about people having problems. <laughs> oh dear. Now, do we need to go back to Michael or something? He had a follow up, or do we do that? Uh, yeah, he did have a follow up. Let's go back up there. He, later on, he wrote back. Uh, so this is the same gentleman who who was asking about backups. 
He said, do I need to alter any settings in Firefox to get web pages to read better with Orca? Mm -hmm. I asked because there appears to be, there appear to be pages where folks isn't tracked properly when I arrow up and down the page. So the same text is repeated when I arrow up and down the, the various lines. For example, if I go to my main banking site and I read the name of an account, when I arrow down to read the balance, it will read the account name. And currently, I might have to arrow, uh, I may have to write arrow after hearing the information before going down to read the next uh, item of information. Okay. An account balance, which is very confusing and a bit of a pain. Um, so, in other words, it, it, uh, it doesn't follow a linear sequence. You can't just hit the down arrow through the page and have it read everything on the page. He continues, I have done sudo up, uh, sudo apt update, uh, say it again, Larry, sudo apt dash get update, followed by sudo apt dash get upgrade. So I assume my version of Firefox is up to date, but still Orca reads web pages in this annoying way. I had the same problem when I first had Linux installed in this computer. I don't have the same lines repeating when I arrow up and down in Thunderbird. The strange problem also annoys me on pages like Ubuntu forums, like when I read information on how to do something where it wants to skip text and appears to be connected to generally scrolling pages or certain ones with Firefox. So although that seems a little bit confusing, I think I've got the idea that uh, the web pages, when you're on in the browser, it's not reading each line as you would expect it to. Mm -hmm. And I suspect what may be going on um, in the browser, and it may not be going on in the Thunderbird uh, email re um, mm -hmm. client program, is that on the web page, sometimes the email comes in as HTML, especially on Gmail, uh, and sometimes on, you know, your internet, uh, the service provider may provide you with uh, email as well. Oftentimes, the default is to bring in the email as an HTML page. And especially with banking, uh, they will often give you the balance in a table on the page. And sometimes the table has columns. And in order to go from one column to the next, you have to hit the right and left arrow as, as opposed to the up and down arrow. And I think that may be what's going on there. Uh, it may not happen in the Thunderbird uh, email client because it may default to a text-only mode for reading email, which doesn't uh, use the, ta the table format like HTML does. So uh, that may be going on. There may be more. So if you have some additional feedback for us or some additional input, Michael, to help us diagnose a problem, I'd appreciate it. And uh, we'll get back to you. All right. Good enough. Okay. Okay. All right. So we talked about Jonathan, and now we should go on to Jim. Jim right, and uh, he asked about uh, leaving computers on all the time. Now I had, I, you know, <laughs> uh, this is an old, old debate. You know, it's like you know, should yep. the roll of, roll of toilet paper have the roll going, the, the paper going no, over the roll, 
or over un- the top. Or it's o- over the top. Or underneath the roll, you know? <laughs> that one's been solved a long time ago. I say over it should be the over top. the top. It should yeah. be over the top. I agree. It should be over the top and under- underneath, you know? But 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 this is in that spirit. <laughs> Jim is asking. It is. It's one of those questions yeah. that will be with us till the end of time. Time, exactly. Or as long as we're using toilet paper, anyway. Yes. Okay. <laughs> so Jim writes, hi, all. It's been a couple of years since I have emailed you simply because what few problems I have had with uh, (laughs) I have had I have been able to resolve easily for the most part. I either knew what to do or the answer was easily found on a search on DuckDuckGo. (laughs) Do you know what DuckDuckGo is? Yes. It's a search engine, an open source search engine. Okay. I rarely need to I use Skype for my primary telephone and have a cell for when I am away from my computer. My question is, does it make any difference in the life of a desktop running Linux to keep it on all the time? So there's a little twist to this Eon old question. Uh Uh, I have two desktops, an Acer Veriton and a Dell Optiplex 755. The Acer is my everyday computer, while Liddell is what I call my entertainment center. It is much faster. Both are 64-bit, but the Dell has twice the RAM. Thus, it does a much better job of streaming videos from the Internet. The Acer's fan is much quieter than the Dell's, which is very important to me as I am much more sensitive to noise than most people. And we will come back and we will come back with the answer because we're at the bottom of the hour break. Okay. This is the Computer America Show on Blog Talk Radio Network, the Boost Radio Network, and the IRN Radio Network. Uh, We will be right back with the answer to this question right after this. Stay with us. I'm going through all the names in my head. I've co-hosted the Computer America Show. Through all the names I've co-hosted over the years, the Computer America Show. And I just realized for the first time that every time someone leaves, there is hate mail, there is we miss you mail, there is, you know, where'd he go? What happened to him? Is he okay? Is he alive? And then I went away for about a year. And there was nothing. There was not a beep. Everyone's like, thank God that's over. Serious. I, I don't know. Oh. <laughs> we love you, Ben. Yeah, we all love you, Ben. That's true. I, 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 yeah, okay. So, uh, yeah. Everybody knows you'll be back. That's the thing. Maybe. I don't, I, I, I don't know what it is. Welcome back to the Computer America Show. Uh, it's our going Linux show. We have Larry Bushy. We have uh, Marcel Gagné. And, you know, we're just you know trying to get through most uh, as many of these emails as we possibly can. This show has gone by so quick. It's it's crazy. And um yeah, so we were just in the middle or at least just reaching the end of this email and uh you know And we're trying to should you leave a computer on or turn it off. Yeah, leave it on yeah. all the time or turn it off when you're not using it. Yes and and and, and right. so we were getting to the last sentence of this email. All right. Oh yeah, well I was gonna leave it off, but since you asked <laughs> It says, enjoy listening to your podcast. Yours and Nistro Watch are the only ones I have found worth listening to. Jim. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, well, we appreciate the sentiment, Jim. Uh-huh. Uh, but um, in answer to the age-old Uh-oh. Oh, no. <laughs> I think I'm, we're, we're never going to know whether you leave the computer on all the time. In answer to the age-old question. <laughs> right. Should we leave the computer on all the time? Well, yes. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yes. 
all well, we can take a little mini poll. Yeah. There it is. Get off. He's back. Yeah, and when can you turn it off? Mine's in use all the time. Uh, yeah, what if it's the middle of the night and you need to do a search on something? Well, well, That's right. Well, it's got well, I God, mean, yeah. we're night people here. Yeah. If you're running Linux, it'll just keep running like forever, you know? Yeah. You don't um, need to. But yeah. but I suppose, I mean, what it comes down to, uh, part of the question that he asked, which which I guess was ignored or didn't get to is, does it have any effect on the life of the device? And the fact of the matter is, every piece of hardware, whatever the heck it happens to be, has a finite lifetime. I mean, it's going to run for a certain number of years, a certain number of cycles, whatever it happens to be. And eventually, the darn thing is going to go kaflooey. Now, the big question, of course, is how long is that lifetime really? And I mean, we used to talk in terms of a particular drive is good for like 85,000 hours or something like that, or 100,000 hours. We'll divide that by 24 to find how many hours that is, and then divide that by 365. And you know what? You could leave the darn thing on for years. And who keeps the same computer for years anyway nowadays, okay? I mean, computers have become like you know, it's like a hairstyle. It's like, oh, my God, I've had the same computer for two years. Well, does it still work? Is it still reasonably fast? Yeah, it is, but it's the same computer. What if somebody comes into my house and sees I've got the same computer I was running two years ago? So, yeah, just keep the darn thing running. I mean, what's going to happen? It's what not going to die. What about, Linux. But what about burn-in, you know, like for the video monitors? You know, the There's no such thing anymore. Burn-in doesn't happen anymore. Mm-hmm. Okay. That was something from the days of CRT where it kept printing the same darn yeah, letters right. over, R-E-A-D-E-Y, with a flashing <laughs> cursor at the end. of, And you turn it off, and you would see the word ready on it, even though the screen was off. Yeah. This is like before time, you know, when dinosaurs still walked the earth. So you mean I won't be, I won't see file edit you know in the upper left hand corner with the pull down menus are always the, the, they're not going <laughs> to they're not going to be there no. No. LCD oh, careful don't. i have a baseball i could throw it into the screen yeah exactly <laughs> well and the other the other argument to be made for turning it um or leaving it on rather leaving leaving the computer on is the argument that the act of turning it off yes. and turning it on again causes power spikes that may ripple through the device and cause it to, uh, you know, have some sort of fault. It's kind of like that uh, light bulb in the firehouse. I think it's in Chicago somewhere that has been running for a hundred years. Literally, it's an antique light bulb, and they're afraid to turn it off because they don't know that it would light up again. Yep. And they just keep it running all the well, time. Well, then, then why do they have things like sleep mode? I mean, we, which it really doesn't turn the computer off, but it, it puts it in a partial off, you know, so you don't have that initial surge when you power it back. What about sleep right. mode? Well, the, the reason for sleep mode is, especially for laptops, so that you can close the lid. It goes into a sleep mode that presumably parks a hard drive, which if it's a spinning hard drive, can get damaged if you jostle it around while it's spinning. Uh, and then you can take the laptop wherever you need it, open it up, and it comes out of its sleep mode. The hard drive spins up again, and you re- reduce the damage. Now, Jim's question was about, about a desktop, so the, the, that doesn't really apply, I yeah. don't think. And, also if, you la- and if your laptop or notebook has a solid-state drive in it, then that isn't coming uh-huh. to play either, right? Yeah, so, so, right. Yeah, so. Right. But, uh, but but I mean, when the sleep mode and turning it off, I mean, for mobile devices, that's just saving power. Yeah, like, like, yeah. Maybe you have a desktop, yeah. it doesn't matter. But. Yeah, what's yeah. the difference between sleep mode and hibernate? Ah, there is a difference. Yeah. So <laughs> the, the difference between sleep mode and hibernate is this. In sleep mode, um, 
everything that is running on the computer uh, in RAM, for example, uh, the, your computer reads information from the hard drive and stuff you enter into it goes into RAM before mm -hmm. it's saved. Mm -hmm. um, all of the information stays in RAM when it's in sleep mode so that when you start up again, it just essentially has everything sitting there ready to go. In hibernation mode, what happens is it takes everything that is in RAM and writes it to the hard drive. It actually stores it on the hard drive. Sleep mode doesn't do that, but hibernation mode does so that then as the power goes down or partially down, uh -huh. um, it actually... Uh, records everything that was in RAM on the hard drive so that when you power up again, it takes a little bit longer to power up because it has to read all that information from the hard drive, back into put RAM. it back into RAM so that now you're back the way it was before. And it's a time. subtlety. It really is a subtlety difference, uh, uh, but there definitely is a difference. And I think that they kind of, they kind of evolved because of the way computers evolved. Uh, yes. Uh, that, that's, that's, that's my understanding. That's... Uh, uh, and now with today's, you know, uh, fast computers, that uh, sleep is probably uh, hibernate really doesn't really make much sense anymore. Uh, well, uh, another difference you'll notice between hibernate and sleep is with your computer in sleep mode, if you leave it in sleep mode, it will eventually drain the battery because it still has to keep the RAM up. It doesn't have to keep the hard drive spinning, but it does have to keep the information in RAM because that's... Okay. <laughs> well, and depending on the power settings of your particular notebook computer or your, your um, it will eventually, if it's been long enough, it'll go into hibernation anyhow. So even, even though you've just got it in sleep mode and so forth, it's like, well, I've been sleeping for half an hour now, so it drops off into hibernation mode, knowing full well that it has to preserve power, which is really, when you come right down to it, probably the main reason for for you know just shutting the whole thing down is particularly if you've got a mobile device or something like that is so that you can preserve the power and be able to use it next time you're opening it up somewhere where you don't have access to a power cord but a desktop computer about the only thing that i think is particularly important to shut down and that generally happens automatically as well is the screen and mostly because who wants that damn bright screen flashing you know lighting up your entire room at yeah. night sure. i mean you don't need that while you're trying to sleep yeah, exactly. But I have the Magic Pipe uh, screensaver, and I need to watch it, make sure it doesn't, you know, <laughs> go through itself. There's, you don't need screensavers anymore. Yeah. Did I not mention that already? <laughs> you know what though? You know what though? There was, there's actually a program uh, that you can download for your Linux system, which is Flying Toasters. Oh, core from Berkeley. <laughs> says, really? Uh, old classic. You can just run flying toasters on your desktop. It has serves no purpose whatsoever well, uh, other than to have flying toasters. That, that was that was an old classic. That was from Berkeley Systems, the flying toasters, and it became iconic. Uh, and and when they finally went out of business, um, uh, they were not available for the longest time, and then people brought them back. But yeah, the flying toasters were were. Uh, I've been around for, for ever since the screensaver was out. I think it's one of the first screensavers. But yeah. And I think they pigs and all kinds of things. Oh, well. not, yeah. They're always takeoffs of the, 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 and the variations. Yeah. But the flying <laughs> toasters, yeah, one of the first screensavers. Uh, when, when, screen, when screensavers were actually needed, but not yeah. anymore. Not anymore. <laughs> not anymore. 
Okay. Well, and, and so I don't know if we've ever answered the question, yeah. the age-old question, but um, and over the not, roll. we're not through with it yet because David <laughs> in England comments on leaving computers running constantly. Uh, oh, okay. His more... email. All right. He writes, hello, Larry and Bill. Bill, of course, being my co-host. I listened today to episode 263, and you read out a message asking about what harm, if any, might come to a Linux PC if it was left on all the time. Yourself and Bill both said that you leave your machines on all the time without any problems. Does that mean that you leave your computer powered up 24-7 even when you are asleep? Is electricity so cheap in the U.S. that there is no need to turn domestic machines off overnight? I turn my Linux Mint PC off when I go to bed just like I do the TV, lights, etc. Keep up the good work. Regards, David in Sussex, England. Mm-hmm. Yes, power is that cheap here, as a matter of fact. We <laughs> a nice call. <laughs> yeah, besides, it is less expensive. Besides, so we, live in an, we live in an economy where it's important to use up as many resources as possible <laughs> so, we can keep the, so that we can keep the economic machinery going. Yeah, that's uh, why there's consumerism. a new in every. <laughs> we need to consume everything, including power. Constantly. Yeah. In, in, in I'm not helping, am I? No, not at all. <laughs> <laughs> so that, that I we'll take that as a rhetorical question. Okay, there you go. <laughs> Our next email is from John, who comments on Point Linux printing and my co-host Bill's efforts to uh, produce a solo podcast episode. Hey, Bill. Hey, Larry. The second line on your show notes page is. Point Linux, and quote, for computer users who just want to use Linux to get things done, that's our tagline for the Going Linux podcast. Mm -hmm. We Point Linux users don't care about spinning cubes, wobbly windows, and bling, bling, bling. The email that you received about using HPLIP is why I am here on Point Linux. HPLIP works just fine in Point Linux. First, Use system administration print settings. Add the printer from there first. Then HPLIP will see the printer and you can manage it. Side note. Hey, Bill, the solo show. Relax. Just be you. Stop <laughs> writing and reading scripts. Just be you. That's why we listen. 73. And no, I'm not a ham. <laughs> <laughs> so, John, um, Thanks for the encouragement for Bill. He did a good job with his solo episode. Um, he still needs a little bit of work, though. And uh, as you um, as you have uh, encouraged him to just relax and be himself, I, I would concur with that. And thanks for the information about the AP printing utility working on Point Linux. I've heard a lot of good things about Point Linux. Never tried it myself. Hmm. Yet another Linux distribution. <laughs> You know, I, I, I'm going to throw something in here about, you know, yet another Linux distributions. I I have a, I don't know, I have a a thing about trying different Linux distributions on a regular basis just for the heck of it. I mean, part of the reason is if, if you could, if computers are, are supposed to be fun, you know, you should be able to play with these things. You should be able to learn something. You should be able to have fun with it. And part of the fun that you can have is trying something new. Well, Linux distributions tend to come 
on bootable CDs or bootable DVDs. That means you can download a distribution, burn it to a CD or a DVD, boot it up and play with it without worrying about destroying everything that's on your computer. And you can try all sorts of different types, you know, and all sorts of different distributions and see, you know, what you like to work with and what works for you, you know, to use the uh, going Linux thing, you know, Linux that works for you because everybody likes to work in a different environment. Everybody uh, will find that they like a particular desktop better than another and so forth just like in the windows world for instance you know somebody says oh you know i liked it better the way it was laid out in windows 95 and now they got this windows with all these weird blocks on the screen i have no idea what to do well the problem there is that there's no going back there's you know there's really no going back there's no way to turn the clock back in the linux world you've got different desktops different environments different distributions they all do things differently but they're also all kept up to date you know, so you do have a modern operating system and a modern desktop, but you can play with, you know, something that you like to work with, something that you like to play with while still being able to, you know, talk to and work with the rest of the world. So Linux, you know, it's a fun way to try different things without having to spend money on it every single time. The only thing you need to spend is time. And while I realize that's money, it's, you know, it's the other money that you actually have to spend when you buy this stuff normally. So there you go. There you go. Different distributions. Try them. There are hundreds of them. Yes, exactly. <laughs> uh, oh my God, we we have we have two Larrys again. Yeah, I know. Larry's <laughs> is having some terrible internet problems, but there he is. I think he's, you're back with us, yeah. right, Larry? All I right. think he's a clone. He's a clone. Yeah, because they cloned myself multiple times this exa- evening. Yes, exactly. Um, so, <laughs> and on the air too. Uh, let's do the uh, the uh, shorter one here because we're. I don't know if we have much more time. Uh, let's go to uh, do the one uh, first. Uh, Jim in Bangor, Maine, who has who okay. suggests an alternative browser. Yes. Uh, hi guys. I heard of an open source search engine on the Linux Action Show. It's called DuckDuckGo. It's open source. I use it on Firefox, and it's great. Yeah, that's more of a an alternative search engine than an alternative browser. But thanks for the uh, suggestion, Jim. I've tried it. And although it's open source, um, I don't find it as useful as uh, Google. Uh, I'm afraid. Oddly, oddly enough, this is this is one that uh, that I've actually seen being used by. I guess you could say he's in the wild. Uh, my brother, and he uh, <laughs> he uses it because he is uh, ever since the you know the whole NSA revelations and you know trying to conceal your your whatever you do online. Um, he DuckDuckGo does you know is doesn't track you like Google does. I, I, you know Google has been very open and very blatant that hey you know that's how we make our money is serving ads to you. So we kind of follow you around and see what you're looking at and we'll serve up relevant ads. And DuckDuckGo does nothing of the sort. So you know he he finds it very useful just for that fact. Just that you know his paranoid self is happy with just one more aspect not being tracked. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna I'm gonna make a, I'm gonna make a plug for something called Ghostery, G O S T E R Y. It's a plugin that you can get for your Chrome browser. It's probably available for Firefox as well, although I have it installed on my Chrome browser. Uh, when it's installed and running, you've got this little icon in the uh, top of the browser that looks like a little ghost and so forth. And what's cool about it is when you visit a page on the internet, it will do a pop up that shows you all the trackers that are on that site. And sometimes, sometimes you'll see a list of like 30 or 40 different ad trackers and plugins and so forth 
that are that are following you around the internet, con- collecting information about you. Ghostery lets you turn off specific ones, so that if you like the fact that Google is tracking you, you know, because you happen to like Google's services and so forth, you can allow Google to track you, but turn off all the other ones that you don't like out there. So Ghostery is very cool that way, but. Where it's really neat is if you go to the Google page, you'll notice that Google is like about five trackers when you go to the Google search page. And if you go to DuckDuckGo, you'll notice that Ghostry is completely blank. There are absolutely no trackers. So they're legit. They're legit. They really do not track you. You know, it's interesting about Ghostry because it it sounds like you have more control than if you're using a a VPN, uh, you know, for example, which basically – turns everything off in other words so they don't they can't follow you you they don't know who who you are uh but then you're completely anonymous at least with ghostry if you have something where you want them to follow you 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 have a little bit more selective control rather than turning everything off like with pro xpn that's that's one of the ones that i i use and uh when you use that of course they can't track you at all supposedly but at least with ghostry it sounds like um, you can you can turn off selective ones, which is nice. And you can, and I and I personally love that because I, there are times. I mean, shopping networks, for instance, and so forth. I don't have any trouble with the idea that sites keep track of the things I've purchased and so forth, and are delivering content that's relative to things that interest me. I don't have any trouble with that whatsoever. Um, so I'm okay with certain things being tracked, but I also like the fact that I have the flexibility to turn off things that I don't want. You know, and trackers that I'm not interested in that I think are a little bit shady for whatever reason. Yeah, exactly. Okay, and um, um, uh, let's see what else here. Uh, what's another a short one here that we can read? I think Brandon. Uh, Brandon, thanks. Us, thanks you for selling. Yeah, Brandon uh, at the bottom. Sure, let's yeah. talk. Uh, okay. Well, we we might not get to get it because you're fading fast uh, there, uh, uh, Larry. Um, but uh, um, no, he's gone again. Yeah, we. Can't. I think we should all chip in and buy Larry an internet connection. <laughs> you know, Larry's connection has been almost flawless since for for the seven years that he's been with us. And let's it, let's do a Kickstarter. Yeah, <laughs> do a Kickstarter for Larry. <laughs> um, this is his last show here. He's just really having some internet problems here. But uh, uh, it's not my are... fault. It's not my fault. <laughs> you didn't do it to him. Oh, okay. <laughs> You can sabotage him. There he is. He's back again. Uh, yeah, yeah, I see his face. Oh, I saw his face for a minute. So close. <laughs> for one brief shining moment, there he was. Yes, yeah, I left the the uh, camera on here, here, just for a moment. Here, here on your last okay. show. Okay, well, let's try to do Brandon and see if we can finish this up. Brandon, okay. And if I stop talking in the middle of a well, no. sentence. Yeah, <laughs> okay. Okay. Uh, Brandon thanks us for our coverage of Sonar, the Linux distribution. Hi, I'm Brandon. I have to thank you guys for pointing me at Sonar GNU Linux. Once I heard you guys talking about it, I decided to give it a try, and now I'm running it full-time. Got that big, old, mean Windows off my machine. (laughs) I appreciate that you guys talk about assistive technology. At the very least, it will get people seeking new options but it might just get people thinking about those who depend on that technology and spark creation and inspiration. We always are looking for ways to make our systems more accessible, and the more apps that include accessibility in their design, the more productive we can be. My sincere thanks, guys. Brandon. I thought I heard a bird chirping in the background you were reading that. Yeah. <laughs> it, 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 it's that phone call that comes at the end of everyone. <laughs> 
So between internet and phone interruptions, yeah, exactly. this has been one heck of a show. Uh, I, I think it's time to pass the baton. Apparently, <laughs> spaghetti. Someone on someone on the IRC channel said it was spaghetti. It is spaghetti. Uh, at least that's the way I feel about my internet connection today. Yes. So anything? You, so anything you want to say to Brandon? Otherwise, anything you want to say to him? Uh, yes. Well, just thanks, uh, okay. and we're we're really glad that we've been able to uh, help you find a Linux distribution that meets your needs, and uh, um, our pleasure to have been of some uh, assistance to you, Brent. So, so tell us a little bit about what you're going to be doing, Larry. Uh, you know, I, I uh, in the months ahead, uh, you're going to still be doing the Going Linux, the Going ahead. Linux podcast. Is we're going having... to be taking the time you were using on Computer America, and you're going to <laughs> pursue your career in woodworking. You woodworking, yes, <laughs> yes, absolutely, that's what it is. Yeah, no, the uh, the Going Linux podcast is going to continue um, as it has. Uh, except that we, we won't have the regular monthly uh, installments of Computer America with me on it. Oh. Um, our uh, listening audience is still welcome, of course, to tune in to Marcel on uh, Computer America. And I don't know whether you'll keep him every uh, third Thursday yes. or go you'll back to the nope. second Tuesday of the fourth Friday of the... <laughs> Now we're going to stay with the third t- Thursday of the month. I can't keep track of that. It's <laughs> once a month. Yes. <laughs> wait, wait for the show, no, uh, the uh, newsletter to tell you that you're on, and then prepare something. That's kind of what I do. <laughs> Great. Uh, it's worked for me, Marcel. Prepare. Hey, Larry, listen. You know you're always. I'm making assumptions. Larry, you know you're always welcome back here on the show. And uh, and, and again, uh, I appreciate okay, that. The the, uh, the seven years that you've been with us, and uh, really, and again, we are we're going to keep you up as a friend of the show. We already have it up there on our on our correspondence and friends of the show page, uh, and the link to the Going Linux podcast. Uh, that's just going to stay up for as long as we're here. Uh, and again, you're welcome back at, at any time, you know, except when Marcel is here, of course. I know, I, I know that exact same feeling. Don't worry. <laughs> now I have to go and find out if there really is a spaghetti Linux. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Ah, oh, wow. Well, listen. This has been, this has been a really a fun show, and uh, and and lots of laughs, and uh, it, it really has been a fun uh, for all of us here. Uh, let me just stay with us to the end because uh, we have an after the show a minute or two on our live video stream. So everybody, stay where they are. Don't, <laughs> Larry. Try to keep your internet connection going for another couple yeah. of minutes. So, uh, yeah. Pull out that backup crank generator. I've applied the bubble gum to the server. Yeah, exactly. And hopefully that'll work. Again, thanks to Larry Bushy uh, for all the great stuff that you've uh, done with us. Thanks so much, Larry, really, and uh, and the best of luck to you. My pleasure, as always. And, and we'll always keep our door open, our door open for for you. And of course, Marcel Gagne. I'll drop in from time to time. Yes, and Marcel Gagne will be joining us in January, specifically on the fifteenth, which is the third Thursday of the month. Then we'll have our Linux show. Thursday of the month that comes after two, right? That's after the second. Thursday. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Okay, got it. <laughs> Just checking. It's not that complicated. And Charles Tendell stays gone. Sorry. That <laughs> wraps it up. So until tomorrow night, this is Craig Crossman hoping that your hard disk never becomes floppy. We'll see you tomorrow night. I'm just floppy. <laughs> and I was worried about what I might say on this show. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you.
Theme music provided by Mark Blasco at podcastthemes.com.